So, um, so the topic for tonight is uh, some reflections on wisdom and acceptance. Um, and what brought up the, um, um, the reflections for me was an article that was forwarded uh, by my partner uh, from the New York Times. And the title of that was The Science of Older and Wiser. And it was published on March 12, 2014. So it was was very interesting in the article. uh, It basically talked about wisdom and how wisdom is is studied um, as a topic by psychologists trying to quantify it and qualify it. And it was fascinating to me because the the concept of wisdom, the idea of wisdom, is some is something that we think we're you know we we, we try to cultivate in Buddhism, uh, wisdom and compassion uh, in Tibetan Buddhism being the two wings of the bird, and and part of this path, the path of insight, the goal is to develop wisdom. Um, so it's a word that we bandy about a lot in. In Buddhism and also in other um, uh, spiritual traditions too, um, cultivating wisdom is important. Um, and in Buddhism, wisdom naturally arises from seeing things as they are, uh, from the practice, from seeing the three characteristics of anicca, impermanence, dukkha, stress um, or suffering, and anatta and not self, and I'll touch on these more later. But to try to actually scientifically study wisdom, what is wisdom? How do you define it? Um, so, so it was interesting to me, and as I read the article more and more in the New York Times, it sounded so Buddhist to me, what they had found out. So I just so wanted to share it with you and bring it up and see the, the parallels between what the scientists are finding in, in, in social scientists by, by actually studying and, and, and what we know and what we, we're c- trying to cultivate. It all, it all makes sense, and I hope it does by the end of this talk. And if it doesn't, hold me accountable. Come and talk to me. So, um, so again, we, we use the, wisdom, the word wisdom a lot um, in the Eightfold Path, wise view, wise intention, wise speech, wise this, wise that, wise everything. So, uh, wise mindfulness. So, so uh, in, in the world of psychology, the person who first started to study it was uh, Vivian Clayton, who was a geriatric neuropsychologist in Orenda, California. And she developed a definition of wisdom in 1970s that became a... Um, uh, basically served as a foundation uh, for studying the subject ever since. So what did she do? What would you do if you wanted to study wisdom? Okay, I'll tell you what she did. So she, she scoured ancient texts for evocations of wisdom. She, um, and she found that most people who were described as wise were decision makers. Solomon, for example, and you know various, various um, wise decision makers in, in, in the traditions. So, 
So she decided, okay, wisdom is clear. Um, wisdom can clearly be studied in decision making because you can either make wise decisions or unwise decisions, right? Makes sense, right? Clear. So, so what he what she did then was to ask um, a group of law students, law professors, and retired judges to name the characteristics of a wise person, and they came up with. Three key components of what wisdom is. Are you ready for the three components? They might sound familiar. So the first one is called, they, they call it cognition. And what does that mean? It's a big word, but what does it mean? It's basically quantity of experience as well as nuanced quality of experience that one can draw on. So you can imagine that as one gets older, there is much more experience, life experience, both quantity and quality, nuanced quality that you can draw on. So that's why we usually associate wisdom, not always, but wisdom is associated with older age because as people get older, there's much more uh, information, cognitive information to draw from. So that's one aspect of it. The second one is reflection. So one actually has to reflect on all of this knowledge that is available in order to gain insights uh, from from one's cognitive knowledge. One has to gain insights and perspective from one's cognitive knowledge. And the third one is compassion. The the third component of wisdom is compassion. (laughs) And the compassionate dimension is basically uh, drawing these insights um, from, from one's reflective knowledge, one can then help others. And that's an aspect of wisdom. So cognition, reflection, and compassion. And that, to me, right there, really parallels also what, how we cultivate, we try to cultivate wisdom in this tradition too. We spend a lot of time sitting and observing phenomena as it is, um, um, having the quality and the quantity of experience to draw from, we reflect on our experience with a wise view, with wise view from a particular perspective, trying to figure out, okay, what 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 are these insights? To try to gain insights and and perspectives, and insights actually naturally arise when we pay attention when we pay attention to our experience, and finally. All of these insights and meld into and give rise to compassion that we um, we offer to the world. It, it changes us. The way that we see the world changes. So, so one thing that's interesting to me is that even though in the study of psychology, the, the, uh, the study by Vivian Clayton, uh, uh, she chose lawmakers and judges and all, and and the idea of, of decision making. Um, as, as, as a way to study wisdom, um, we all make decisions all the time. It's the, the idea of wisdom is not a high and mighty idea just reserved for judges. We make decisions every moment of our lives. Earlier today, you decided to say something kind to someone, or you decided to keep your mouth shut and not say something unkind to someone. You decided to come here tonight. That was a decision that you made, you decided. 
um, you decided to perhaps eat vegetables, something lower on the food chain and higher on the food chain. So, so we make decisions every moment of our lives and we can make wise decisions and unwise decisions. It's not just these important uh, monumental decisions at the juncture of our lives, but we make decisions every moment and they can be wise or unwise. So wisdom is something that's, that's close to us, akin to us. It's, it's not far out, something that just judges and high mighty plays. People have. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Um, so, so actually, on that note, I want to invite you now to do a f- reflection with me, if you would. So, get into your meditation posture for a moment, and close your eyes, if you would, settling into your body, taking a few breaths. And now I invite you to bring to mind someone in your life that you associate with being wise. Could be a parent or a parental figure, maybe a teacher, a coach, a friend. someone with whom you associate actions coming out of wisdom. Someone who seems wise in the way they act or they are in the world. And as your mind goes through the Rolodex of people, just let it land on someone perhaps be an archetypal figure that would be fine too perhaps someone you don't know personally but someone who inspires you in the way they're wise in the world so when you have this person I invite you to tap into the quality What is it about them? How are they in the world that inspires you? What is the quality about them that seems wise? See if you can feel into it. How are they? How do they manifest their wisdom? you can also feel into what that inspires in you, how you feel connected to that sense, to that inspiration, how it makes you feel in relationship (coughs) to them. have the person and you have 
this feeling, I invite you to slowly open your eyes. And it would be lovely to share the wisdom of the group because this talk is actually a collective talk. We all have a lot of wisdom within us in this group. So it would be lovely if uh, some of you would share. Great. And thank you, Sean. Thich Nhat Hanh came to mind. I fell in love with Thich Nhat Hanh when I first heard his voice long ago. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, but I, I think it was... I've been coming to Spirit Rock for since before it actually was owned by us. <laughs> um, but he was so beautiful in his the way that he spoke and his... His awareness, of course he, if people, I don't know if everyone knows who I'm talking about, but he went through uh, 34 years of war in Vietnam. He was only 14 years old when he became, he decided and told his parents that he'd like to join uh, a monastery or whatever they call it over there. And... um, he had seen everything. He was in the boats where people, if they got hysterical or frightened, everything would go wrong and people would be hurt. And, but just Thich Nhat Hanh's amazing ability to have faced everything he's faced, mm-hmm. and he was one of, he was in the sect of monks that would, which I saw on TV at about 14 or so years old, I can't remember, but he, they would come out to the street in front of television cameras, they would pour gasoline over themselves, sit in meditation and emulate themselves, strike a match. And they wouldn't move. And I didn't know that at the time that he was one of those monks, but he, his number could have come up at any time, and I'm so grateful that it had not, because he was just a fabulous um, inspiration to me. Thank you. Person next to you. I just wanted to say a a note about the wisdom of my mother. Um, I was down south trying to get her and her siblings. They're all in their 90s together. Um, And uh, she's just got incredible um, people skills, always has. So we went to go see her brother, who we didn't know had gone into hospice care. And he occasionally would open his eyes a little bit and she got up to him and was poking him telling him, Billy, now you wake up (laughs) and doing all this stuff that was kind of horrifying me and uh, and then I I said to her, trying to calm down what did your brother used to call you? and she said, bonehead And, (laughs) and said usually followed by shut up, Claudia and uh, this huge smile came over his face. It was just mm. amazing. And she was doing all the right things, mm. um, you know. So I just wanted to say something about that wisdom. So a sense of intuition to know what the right thing was with the relationship to this person that from the outside didn't seem right, but she had the intuition. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I also yeah. decided that all siblings t- treat each other like 10-year-olds. Like, because <laughs> they were all talking about little things they used to do with each other. And the odd, other odd thing was that she'd look at her sister and think it was her mother, because she looks like her mother at her age. And so she'd say, Billy, your mother's here. <laughs> Point at her sister. They're all a little bit off at times now. And then her sister would look at Billy and, go, and finally go, is this my son? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was a lot of people my age and the next generations down there too, but it, it was a beautiful experience. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Someone in the front. So um, two women came to mind. Um, one is here and one is not. And um, the what they embody for me as a woman, um, they're both a little bit older than I, but they each carry this ease and joy mm. and welcoming Beautiful. that are th- characteristics that I am working toward in myself. And in their presence, I'm uplifted mm. and motivated and akin to them and that is really like that's what I really came to mind for me is that sort of like of course there's I'm with them for a reason to unfold they help me unfold beautiful yeah it's really beautiful, beautiful. I feel grateful for that beautiful thanks for sharing that there's presence and speech oh actually let's uh, okay. Just two words that came up to my mind was presence, she just said that, and uh, speech. So the presence... Yeah, the the two people that I thought of just right away when I I meet them, there's something about their presence and there's something about their speech that makes me feel, okay, there's something wise, whatever's going to... What about their speech? Because the presence Um, is is clear. Say a little more about speech. What about their speech? Yeah. Uh, it's very clear to me. Mm-hmm. Um, clarity? Yeah, there's clarity yeah, in clarity. it. Clarity. Um, yeah, so a sense of clarity. Yeah, that yeah. Sounds I'll good. go for that. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Great. One more. I have a coach who is so attentive and so still that it feels like she sees into me far more deeply than I do, and mm. I really trust when she says, you can do this, mm. um, and I can. Mm. So a sense of steadiness and, and presence. And really and deep trust. seeing. Yeah. She just puts herself aside entirely and looks. And I, and I watch her do this, not just with me, but with each student. Then mm. she turns and looks at them, and she's fully attentive to who they are and who mm. they can be. Nice. And that's a lovely sensation nice. to be with. Nice. Thank you. Other reflections, other thoughts? One back there, Sean. My friend Ravenna came to mind. She's younger than I am, but I've never seen her judge anyone or react um, to situations. Instead, um, I've observed her listening and responding. Um, and to me, that's kind of what wisdom is. So being non-judgmental. Great, great, fantastic. Okay. 
So we've got a pretty good, oh, one more here. We've got one more. Hi. I was uh, trying to think about someone older and then a friend of mine came to my mind. She's also a little bit younger and what I thought was very wise about her was her uh, ability to be bold and mm -hmm. to believe that you know the best is out there. Uh, never drop into a kind of depression and just uh, stay on the course, on the path. So bold, brave and kind of funny also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so courage, a sense of courage. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I think I see one more hand. We're going to take that in before we talk about what... what. I could say, um, the, other Monday, the other Monday night teacher, Mark Coleman, yeah. uh, I feel like he, uh, for me, he, he embodies uh, a lot of humor, uh, compassion, and uh, definitely wise speech. I've mm. kind of spoken to him uh, a lot outside of the uh, Spirit Rock and it's very consistent. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you to all who shared. And we, uh, the, the, the sense that came up was a sense of presence, joy, non-judgmentality, deep trust, wise speech, um, and, and in a sense, and, and, and just being in the presence of someone who helps you, uh, inspires you and helps you flourish. Um, and I see lots of nodding heads. It's just that's what wisdom does. So, so what the reason why I wanted everyone to reflect on that is, is to feel that, you know, again, wisdom is not this high and mighty idea. We all know in our bones, we, we know people in our lives who are wise, who inspire us, who affect us. And we all also have wisdom within us. So by recognizing in somebody else, we get to recognize it in us. We get to see that, yes, we do have wisdom. There are aspects of wisdom that we also embody. And also to see aspects of wisdom that we don't embody and, and where we can grow. So, so back to what psychologists define as wisdom, and, and we'll see similarities in a moment. So um, they developed a scale of 39 questions aiming at measuring these three dimensions of wisdom that we talked about cognition, reflection, and compassion. And um, the questions were something like, a problem has little attraction for me if I don't think it has a solution. Or, I can be comfortable with all kinds of people. Or, I'm easily irritated by people who argue with me. So the people were not told that this questionnaire was measuring wisdom and then Later, they were given hypothetical challenges and crises and asked how they would deal with it. And it turns out those that showed high evidence of wisdom in the 39 question, the questionnaire, um, they also tended to have better coping skills. Um, so, so wisdom is practical. Again, it's not just the concept. It, it, having better wisdom, more wisdom in life, it gives you better coping skills in life. Um, from this article, Professor Ardilt says, um, uh, where was it? Oh, yes. So um, they also tend to be more active than passive in dealing with hardship. 
So when hardship comes, it's not just, if they don't tend to be passive and just let it, you know, okay, things are as they are and let things be. But there's a sense of activity in wisdom. That, and if you think of people that you consider to be wise, for example, take Nat Hunt, there is an activity, there's a way of being active in the world that, that, that is an embodiment of wisdom. Um, an impediment to wisdom is thinking, quote, I can't stand who I am now because I'm not who I used to be. And this is particularly important as we all age. We all age. We all do. Um, we're, nobody's immune to it. Um, so this is this was a, a quote by Isabella Bick, a psychotherapist who, at 81, still practices part-time out of her home in Sharon, Connecticut. She has aging clients who are upset by a perceived worsening of their looks, their sexual performance, their physical abilities, their memory. For them, as for herself, an acceptance of aging is necessary for growth. But it's not a resigned acceptance. It's an embracing, embracing acceptance, she said. I love that. I mean, that's what we practice on this path, isn't it? It's not a resigned acceptance. It's an embracing acceptance. When we bring acceptance to, what, to how things are, just the way they are, with a sense of active acceptance, not a passive acceptance. It's just, it's exactly that. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Um, here's another quote I just loved out of this article. Um, Professor Ardell says, wise people are able to accept reality as it is with equanimity. That sounds like a Buddhist teacher. Again, I read that one more time. Wise people are, are able to accept reality as it is with equanimity. I mean, that is the this definition of wisdom. A simple definition. Accepting reality as it is with equanimity. Her research shows that when people in nursing homes or with a terminal illness score high on her wisdom scale, they also report a greater sense of well-being. Quote, if things are really bad, it's good to be wise, she said. <laughs> so, so it, wisdom and acceptance clearly go hand in hand because there is an acceptance. With, with wisdom, there's an acceptance of what you cannot change, of, of things as they are. But again, it's not a resigned acceptance. It's an embracing acceptance. I'd like to read you another, some other qualities of, of what they discovered as, as wise, and we'll see similarities here. So, actually, um, it's easier to define what wisdom isn't. So, so let's first talk about what wisdom is not. First of all, it's not uh, necessarily or intrinsically product, product of age, although reaching an advanced age increases the odds of acquiring the kinds of life experiences and emotional maturity that cultivate wisdom, which is why aspects of wisdom are increasingly, um, actually that's, are increasingly, increasingly attracted, um, attracting the atten- attention of gerontology, gerontological 
can I say that? Ger gerontological psychologist. So that came up in, in an example. A few people came up because they came up with, with people who are younger than them or over the same age. So wisdom is not necessarily, you don't have to get very old to become wise. Younger people can be wise. It just be it's it's a quality that they can embody. So it's it's not necessarily associated with getting older. And I think we all probably know people who have gotten older and not wiser in our lives, right? Yes. So it's not necessarily one to one correlated with age, even though uh, there's there's some uh, more likelihood. Second, oh, I love this one. If you think you're wise, you're probably not. <laughs> so it's something that wisdom you have to be endowed by it other people have to endow you uh, to be wise I, i've heard that in the basque tradition particularly you cannot claim yourself to be wise other people have to see wisdom in you and that makes sense because um, in general running through modern wisdom research uh, shows that wise people tend to be humble and other centered as opposed to self-centered Which, if you think about people in your lives that you consider to be wise, how many of them are, are self-centered and rambunctiously uh, narcissistic? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> no. So here's a list of qualities that are associated with wisdom. A clear-eyed view of human nature and the human predicament. I'd like to come back to this one, actually, because it really relates to the practices that we, um, we cultivate. A clear-eyed view of human nature and the human predicament. Emotional resiliency and the ability to cope in the face of adversity. An openness to other possibilities. Forgiveness. Humility and a knack for learning from life experiences. And yet, as psychologists have noted, there is a yin-yang to the idea that makes it difficult to pin down. I really appreciate this part. Wisdom is founded upon knowledge, but part of the physics of wisdom is shaped by uncertainty. Action is important, but so is judicious inaction. Emotion is central to wisdom, Yet detachment is essential. Isn't that great? So emotion is central to wisdom, yet detachment is essential. So there has to be emotional maturity, and yes, yet a certain level of detachment. Does the word detachment ring a bell? <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. So um, I want to come back especially to the clear-eyed view of human nature and the human predicament. Um, that's, again, what we cultivate through seeing the three characteristics in this practice. We see anicca, impermanence, as, as um, every moment dying, every moment passing, the human predicament being that you cannot hold on to anything. Everything changes, both in the long term and in the short term, in the momentary term. Everything arises and passes away. Um, the last moment is gone. The cookie that you had during the break is gone. Or the, the last moment that 
The last moment is gone. This is a new moment. This, no, this is a new moment. Oh, no, this is a new moment. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, every birth has a death. Every youth has aging. Um, and, and not to accept it with resignation, but it's just the reality of life, and we can't hold on to it. And if we try to hold on to it, we get rope burn. Um, so it's really having a clear-eyed view of human predicament to, to become friendly with anicca, with impermanence, and really see that in our experience, not as a somber, awful thing, but it's just the reality of life. It's the reality of, of the human condition. Things are impermanent. They just are. And that gives a certain sense of ease and lightness. It's just that's just the way they are. And if we try to, to hold on to things, it, it we can't. It becomes heavy. It, it it's we, we we experience a lot of dukkha, which is stress, unsatisfactoriness, suffering. So dukkha also um is or unsatisfactoriness also is is a part of the human condition. No matter how good we are, no matter how correctly we do everything, still things happen. People we love will die or get sick, or we get sick, um, or winds of fortune will will blow and things change. Um, we're all, none of us are, um, are immune from the eight worldly winds of pain, um, and gain, um, gain and loss, pra- praise and blame. I could be praised for this talk. I could be blamed for this talk. Who knows? You know, it's it's the eight worldly winds, and the last two being success and failure. We all have success in our lives. We all have failure in our lives. It's just a part of the human condition. So, and these create dukkha. Create stress, create unsatisfactoriness. It's just a part of life. It's the human condition, not wanting to, to be any different. Um, and then the third characteristic uh, of existence, anatta, not self. It's the ungovernability of, of this body. Um, it gets old. It, it gets sick. It just does. It's nature. It does its own thing. I mean, if you tell your body not to age, would it listen? Um, it, we are nature. It, it's, wow. If, if you try to digest, if you try to heal a wound, you wouldn't know how to do it, would you? The body is nature. So, so making friends with, with this ungovernability of the body, it just is. Um, so, so all of these really becoming friendly with the three characteristics of existence is, is, is a way to develop wisdom, is not to fight against what we cannot change, to know that it, it's, just, it's like this. And acceptance, again, it's not, it's not resignation. It's... it's um, 
it's um, I liked the phrase that they had used for acceptance, which I forget now. Oh yes, embracing acceptance, <coughs> not a resigned acceptance. It's embracing reality as it is. So I'd like to invite you to do another reflection with me, if you would. If you would get into your meditation posture. And settling into the body. (coughs) Taking a few deep breaths. And now coming up with something, allowing yourself to think of something that you would like to change. You wish it were different. Perhaps in your body, or maybe a habit of the mind. Maybe habitual pattern, of judgment, anger, jealousy, neediness, addictive behavior, whatever it might be. When you have what it is that you wish was different, either in the body or in the mind, feel into it. And ask yourself, what would happen if I accepted this? Whatever it is, what's wrong with accepting this thing? What bad thing might happen if I accept it? Or what stops me from accepting it? See what comes up. And when you have that, allow yourself to take a deep breath. Settle and soften some more into your body. Creating some space around the dislike, the aversion that you have for whatever it is. Just softening, relaxing. And see if you can allow acceptance of how you feel right now in this moment about this topic. Not accepting, say, the habitual pattern of the mind itself, but just how you feel about it. Allowing the truth of the moment, the truth of how you feel about it, just to be. Accepting that. And allowing that energy to settle.
softening into that acceptance. And if it's available to you, maybe see what's underneath. as you let it settle, as you let it soften, what comes up, what happens? Okay, let it go. Take a deep breath or two. And when you're ready, open your eyes. So, show of hands, if you will, when I ask you the question, if you accept this thing about your body or your your habitual pattern that you don't like, if you accept it, 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 what bad thing, what, what stops you from accepting it? How many people thought, well, it would never stop if I accepted, or it would get worse, it will never go away? Yeah? Lots of hands, nods, yes. Yeah. And what happened, well, actually, um, I'm curious if you would share um, what, what came up for you when you allowed yourself to accept, not the pattern, but, but how you feel about it, just having acceptance of the resistance, perhaps. If that, if that changed it for you. Hand here. It gives you something to work on. Oh, wait. It, it gives you something substantial to work on. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Did everyone hear that? Yeah. Yeah. We'll expand on that in a moment. Yeah. Anyone else? What else came up? Anything? Uh, it goes away. Um, it goes away. So I, I was having a headache, that a caffeine headache, that wouldn't go away, and I wasn't accepting it. And when I did, it actually just went away. It came back. <laughs> just, just right now. <laughs> are you resisting it again? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> great. See, great, great insight can arise. Wisdom can arise. Acceptance. Yeah. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, Hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, thanks. Um, I don't know how this will sound, but for the first time, I've done this exercise before. And I can see the spaciousness when you let it go. But what I realized this time is that there is almost a conceptual error there when there is constriction, where the mind attaches to the aversion. And it feels like it is like this because this is so unpleasant and I don't want it so completely. So it's almost natural to be thinking and feeling this way. So for the first time tonight, I sort of realized that moment, you know, where the aversion changes into spaciousness. Mm. But there is a lot of, um, there is some cognition that plays some role in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's the belief, it's the view that yes. it shouldn't yeah. be this way. Yes. It shouldn't yes. be this way. Yes. And when you soften that, well, mm-hmm. it is this way. Mm-hmm. So you're pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, mm-hmm. great, mm-hmm. insightful. Thank you. Other observations? Going once. Going twice. Gone. Okay. So there will be more chances for reflection. Thank you, Sean. But um, the... This reflection, this exercise, is really to point out the difference between, or or to to highlight what acceptance is and what acceptance isn't. Acceptance isn't accepting that you're angry and you're just going to be angry and, and crush everything to smithereens. It's not that. It's not accepting that. Um, it's it's accepting the reality of the moment. It's accepting what's coming up, how you feel about what you don't like. It's accepting the resistance. It's accepting the aversion because that allows you, as as the first person who commented to say, it gives, it gives you something to work on. It gives you a stepping stone. It gives you a place where you can say, okay, I, I don't like this, uh, but I see it. I accept it. It gives you space. Then you can, you can say, okay, now what? Okay, you, you have a place to go. Instead of being stuck, if you say, I don't like it, I don't like it, it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way. If you repeat, it shouldn't be this way a million times, you're not going to get anywhere. And the habitual pattern is just going to be stuck in, in the same place that there is or if there's something about your body. It's just not going to change. It's like emotions are, are like a river. They flow. But if you resist them, I hate it, it shouldn't be this way. It's like you're putting a dam on a river. It backs up. It, by taking the resistance away, the dam away, you let it flow. You let it flow through. And then you have something to work with. So, so accepting whatever is, it doesn't mean to embrace its destructiveness, but it means embracing how you feel about it. Embracing, bringing space around how you feel about it. And then that allows you to drop in deeper and be in a place that you can actually work with it. It's like a stepping stone. Does this make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, and another important thing I want to share about acceptance is, is you can't will yourself to accept. It doesn't work like that. The same way that you cannot will yourself to fall in love with someone or will yourself to fall asleep at night. Have you tried that? Does that work? When you, I don't want to fall asleep. It doesn't work. And you can't will yourself to accept something difficult. So how, would, how do you accept? It's by, by the opposite of willing. It's by softening. It's by releasing. Really, by, by softening into it, relaxing into whatever it is allowing, embracing. It's a, it's a soft acceptance. What I like to mention is, um, is to emphasize that acceptance is not resignation, obviously. It's not giving up. It's not giving in. It's not acquiescence. It's just accepting the truth of the moment. 
the truth of the moment is like this. I am upset. I don't like this. <sighs> okay, it's like this. I allow it to be. I allow the truth of the moment, whatever it is, to exist right now because this is what I'm experiencing. Okay, where do I go from here? Instead of, I hate it, I hate it, I shouldn't be upset, this shouldn't upset me, this shouldn't make me angry, I'm a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's so many places we can go versus, okay, this is how I'm feeling, this is the truth of this moment for whatever causes and conditions that have brought this about in me right now. This is the truth of the moment. Okay, it's like this. It's like this to be sad. It's like this to be depressed. It's like this. Okay, this is the truth of this moment's experience. I embrace it. Okay, allow it to move through. Okay, next step. Then you can move on. You can gain wisdom from that acceptance. It's also acceptance, saying yes. Um, I want to bring in um, something that I've learned from improv. So I've done over a decade of improv. I've performed on stage, if you can believe that. Um, And the first rule of improv is called yes and. So the idea is you always say yes, you embrace, you accept what's offered, to you, for example, and by your partners on the stage. And you add to it by and, yes and. So say you're, you're making up a scene and your, pipe, or your partner on the stage uh, mimes a wet monkey to you. And instead of saying, ew, wet monkey, forget it, ooh, I hate it. It's, you say, great, I've always wanted a wet monkey and, and I have a towel that I've reserved just for this purpose. You know, you just go with what, what, otherwise the scene will stop. Otherwise there's nowhere to go, right? The, the scene, the game continues before, because you accept and, and add to it. It's like life. So accepting whatever life hands you and, and making lemonade, you know, just going along with it. So, so I've always thought that this rule of improv, yes and, is a great rule for life. Yes and, just embracing whatever life life gives you, yes. Just saying yes instead of no, instead of resisting. Because that resistance, it it blocks the life energy. Saying yes, let it flow through and see what what comes up next. So um, we have a few minutes for final reflections, questions, and um, shared wisdom from you all. Thanks, John. One hand over here. You mentioned wisdom and compassion in the beginning, and I I feel... um, that if we take everything you just shared about the yes and, that's where compassion for me emerges the most, is when I'm allowing and honoring the circumstance as a teacher, then I have compassion for myself in the experience and therefore compassion for the human condition. And then it comes back to wisdom and then the cycle continues again. And it's a big relief. Beautiful. Thank you.
Yeah, exactly. They're, they're so intertwined, wisdom and compassion for ourselves, for others. It, it's exactly it's that beautiful dance, that ripple. Thank you so beautifully. And way in the back. We've been speaking a lot about how it's an age factor. And I know we've all had some moments in our life when we've had a child. And we've said, boy, they are wise beyond their years. And... um, I had a six-year-old son who we fought over raincoats every single day when it was raining, and he finally said, Mom, I get out of the car. I go into the classroom. We don't go outside for recess. I get done with class, and I get back in your car. Why should I bring my raincoat? So I think it's an interesting perspective how we as the adults who have all of the experiences can then say, oh, that kid has some wisdom in there somewhere. So I think it's a really just an interesting concept of they may not have all of the life's experiences, but because their minds aren't as cluttered as we adults, they have the opportunity to share them with us. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. It's absolutely true. A lot of times children have such clarity of perception and vision and they perceive things that we completely miss. Thanks for bringing that in. Yes, it's not necessarily age-related. And thanks for that counterexample. Oh, I thought, yeah, one hand here. Um, I just keep thinking of this um, poster that was one time a very prominent poster in people's lives, I think. And um, I've been using it myself recently. Let's see if I can remember. That says... um, Dear God, give me the um, courage to change the things I can, the acceptance to um, ah, the something to accept the things that I can. I don't. I somebody can fill in courage. Courage to change the things I can. I think so. Is that right? Serenity. The, the serenity. Serenity. Thank you, because I've been looking for that. Okay. Serenity. The serenity prayer to um, accept the things I can't and the wisdom to know the difference. And so this whole talk that you've been giving, I, that keeps coming up over and over for me. And sometimes I use that in my own, you know, dilemmas and things that I, I face yeah. right there. <laughs> Thank you. Great invocation of wisdom. Great. Things we can change and things we can't. The human predicament. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Any other last minute thoughts, reflections? Hi, thanks. Um, I wanted to mention the idea of victimhood and how a lot of us tend toward my voice sounds so weird on the microphone. <laughs> Tend toward the um, wanting to be a victim. And so when you said accepting the, the thing that we want to change about ourselves, a lot of the time I like to ask myself, why am I choosing to be a victim to this? And why am I 
prolonging that I want that to change, I want that to change because that wantingness is the comfort of victimhood for me. Mm. And so then also one of the things I wanted to add about what is wisdom is honesty. And so being honest with myself about that is something that I am really working on. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm not quite sure where I get the first one quite right. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a question? Yeah, I can... yeah. So, so, so I appreciate the, the, the honesty bit that you brought. Of course, yeah, authenticity and, and, and honesty is a big, are a big part of, of wisdom. And then in terms of, of um, victimhood and, mm-hmm. and wanting change, say that again. Say that one more time. Sure, okay. I'll try to rephrase it. Yeah. Um, so... I noticed that myself and my family, a lot of people I've met, are very comfortable Mm -hmm. in their habits, which is often victimhood. And like, oh, I can't do that. Mm. This is just who I am. Mm. And it's making oneself a victim of one's self. Mm. And thinking that that is the only way that you are and wishing you could be another way because that's the comfortable pattern. Does that make more sense? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for explaining. I wanted to honor you by understanding what you said instead of just nodding. And so I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on that note, given that we're out of time, I'd like us to spend the last few seconds together to dedicate the merit of our time together. May... The time that we've all spent together tonight, both in practice, in reflection, in wise reflection, sharing, contemplating, and interacting with one another, may it be a cause and condition for increasing wisdom for all of us, and may it lead to the liberation of all beings including ourselves. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. It's been lovely to spend it with you. Hello, if anyone is going to San Rafael, I don't have a ride home tonight. So, thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much.